This message is brought to you by this excellent church. We excel at reshaping people's values and reconciling men to God. You're about to hear peace and preach. Be blessed. Colossians chapter 1. Facets of our salvation. I chose that word because um, I, 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 I picked it up from um, reading one of um, William and Craig's books. And he made a very good analogy in the book on his book on the atonement. He made a very good analogy on the book. He said one of the reasons why it's very difficult to use one analogy to describe salvation that Christians have. The reason why it's very difficult is because it's multifaceted. There are many angles to it. So no single human analogy can completely do justice to the work that Jesus accomplished. Do you understand that? So the, so the analogy that he used to describe that multifaceted um, nature of salvation is that he said, he said it's like a diamond. So a lot of Christian theologians and philosophers, they like to liken salvation to a diamond. How many people have seen a diamond before? Of course, we're not men that have seen it before. We're in the cap- world um, poverty capital, amen? But you've seen it on TV, amen? So it counts, amen? So if I ask you, have you seen it before? TV counts, social media counts. So have you seen a diamond before? Alright, so you will see that it has, the way it's cut, it has different tables. You just get, it has different facets, it has different places that are flat, right? Because it's not round like a, like a ball, it's, uh, you know, it has different facets, hallelujah. But there is usually one side that will be the, there will be usually one flat side that will be the largest compared to the other facets. Do you understand that? So you will find out that in the teaching of, on salvation, there is one part that seems to be like the overarching part. But there are many other small, small angles to it. Praise God. And so that's what I want to take time in this series to really explain. And I hope that by doing this, it will be a ref- reference point for many of you. Like I said, like I don't know, I, I probably say it in public, but um, I noticed that we've, pro- we've not done, I've not done that since TC started officially this year. And it's very important that we do it. All right? So that we can have a deep, and proper so it's going to, we're going to take our time and i'm trying to, i'm going to do my best not to rush you know there's this thing that happens with with clergy when you are used to something in your mind you tend to want to teach it as if you are talking to yourself praise god you know i begin to realize that it's very good i take my time and not assume that there's anything that is well understood so i'm going to take my time and talk about each and every part and even what i have planned um, I, I, I sense that as time goes on I will see something else that I need to add and then so we'll take it all the way hallelujah so the Lord will help us and the Lord will help you too praise God to understand so facets of our salvation and um, the first part I'm going to talk about today is about sin understanding the doctrine of sin because the greatest legover that Satan did for the world especially for Christendom, those that were traditionally Christians, was something that happened in the 19th century with the rise of, all of them just seemed to come at the same time in the 19th century. Marxism, Nietzsche's kind of philosophy, since the post-enlightenment, that 19th century, a lot of philosophies just came up at the same time. And what all of them ultimately resulted in is a philosophical um, situation a condition where the hearts of people were turned away from the evil that is sin the hearts of people philosophically was turned away from the problem that sin was or it that sin is 
So by philosophically turning people's hearts away from how bad sin is, they ultimately made salvation to be of no value. Do you understand that? Anyone that can successfully make sin not to be a big deal will make salvation not to be a big deal. I'm going to understand a lot of things because there are a lot of things that we Christians say in our new creation realities that, are, that sound very pious and deep, but you are setting yourself up. Anybody that makes sin to look like not a big deal is going to make salvation to not be a big deal. Should I want to get it together? You know, I want to talk about it, but listen, there are a lot of things that are happening now, a lot of isms in the world going on currently in the world that makes that, they, you know, when we talk about them, they'll say Christians should not be involved in talking about political stuff. And it's not really our business to talk about political stuff. And I beg to differ. I was saying that, listen, a lot of these isms are actually ideas and philosophies and pretensions that are casting themselves in contradistinction to the knowledge of Christ. So they might not look like you are talking about salvation directly, but they are using a back door to turn people's hearts away from God. And that's why believers must talk about them. I get what I'm saying. That's why the spiritual warfare that we have, see, it's not a coincidence that the people that the Lord handed over the gospel with were well equipped to deal with the philosophies of their day that were turning people away from Christ. The apostles were well equipped to deal with the legalism of their time. Apostle Paul was sent to the Gentiles and God picked him and equipped him to be able to deal with the Greek philosophies of Stoicism and Epicureanism and Platonism that were happening in his time. So he was able to properly deal with it. There are a lot of these philosophies that are going on in the world now that what they are doing is turning the hearts of God of men away from God. Very simple things. I've seen the evolution of some of people on social media that started with. I'm in church. I cannot be picking my words. All right. I can't pick my words on social media. I'm picking my words in church again. All right. So, so I'm sorry. Do you want a pastor or do you want? Do you want a pastor? So let me pastor. All right. I've seen people that it started from just being offended in men. And they'll call it feminism. That's how we started. Two months down, six months down, nine months down, you are hearing tweets. Someone that's going to church talking about how there's misogyny in the Bible. You know that's how the inerrancy is killed. Satan will come and tell you that the word patriarchy means misogyny or sexism. And you, not thinking, not being properly equipped, you accept it. And so, when the Bible talks about Christian patriarchy in the local family, in the local family, Christian family unit, you have seen it and you're already offended. They've primed you. They've cooked you for offense. And you're already offended in the same scriptures. The same scripture that is able to make you wise. And profitable to salvation. What happens to your salvation? I get what I'm saying. 
So the holy scriptures that are able to make you wise and profitable unto salvation that you have become offended in, how why, we are not surprised when you now, some years later, cast off that salvation. Because the thing that was able to save you, you got offended in it. Do you know what I'm saying In case anybody don't understand what I'm saying, Christian patriarchy in the family unit is not sexism, it's not misogyny. That's just one. That's just one example. There are plenty. And it's not only people that are so-called on the left, even people on the right. You know what I'm saying? It's not so because people on the left are the ones loud on social media. There are people that have their own. When people are thinking of nationalism, they want to, it starts by simply in the name of you are being pious, you are being conservative. You want to make the world become the kingdom of God. And so you are taking kingdom takeover from different angles. These are worldly philosophies. Before you know it, you have placed the things of this world above God and salvation in your hierarchy of values. Do you understand that? I get what I'm saying. You come and be worshipping capitalism. The left people on the left are bad. They are masking it and you be worshipping capitalism. As if the Bible preaches capitalism. I like the way Tim Keller puts it. The Bible is not preaching any of them. The Bible is on his own. All these philosophies in the world, all these isms, all these isms, be careful. I'm at the danger of an echo. All these isms, be careful. Because they are set up to injure the heart, to slowly cook the heart of men. And put that's why Apostle Paul says that see our, our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. And what we are doing is that we are casting down thrones, ideas, philosophies, pretensions that are casting itself against the knowledge of Christ. So every kind of pretension and idea that is actually standing against the knowledge of Christ, we'll talk about it. Alright? Are you getting what I'm saying? The world has been intentional about making sin to not be a problem. So let's start from the basics. Let's start from the basics. Sin is a big deal. And this is why. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Everybody knows John chapter 1. Gospel according to John chapter 1. We know the word and what was God and what was God. We know that all things were made by him and for him. Now, I like the way the Apostle Paul puts in Colossians chapter 1 from verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God from verse 15. Colossians chapter 1 from verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So God, his word, the Spirit, these three persons that are the one God, they created all things or he created all things through him and for him emphasis on for him all things were created through him and for him all things were created through him and for him so that means that everything in existence is created by the discretion and the dispensation of God's intentionality so it was created for him for his purpose when the things that he has created 
begin to stand against him, what begins to happen? They are on need. If he made everything for himself, to stand against the fact that he made you for himself, when you begin to, if he made you for him and you begin to stand against him, you be, begin to make yourself on need. Do you understand that? And that is what sin is. Sin is the disposition of created things standing against him. Sin is the disposition of created things to stand against him. I didn't write all these things down. I'm just making it up as I'm going. Praise God. So, pardon all the grammar you know, and everything. Sin is the disposition of created things to stand against him. Touch out together. Because all things were made for him. So, the God of all the universe has a purpose. He has a plan. He is an intentional, all-powerful, all-knowing mind. All-knowing spirit. And in his intentionality, he created all things with a purpose. When those things now decide that they want to stand against what he created for, therefore, they, are begin, they have entered into sin. So, they together. So, sin is not a matter of how that created entity feels. Sin is not a matter of how you feel about it. I hear what you. Sin is not a matter of how you feel about it. Sin is anything that stands in, in contrast to God. Anything that stands in opposition to God's plans. Anything that stands in enmity. Anything that stands contrary against the grain of the purpose of God for a created entity. Just like it all sense you. Because there is a God, Romans chapter 1. It's not today that we'll talk about, if I wanted to really, you know, but it will omit, it will just burden the series down. Maybe we'll take another series on how we know that there's God and how we know that the Christian God is, is God. Praise God. Maybe that one. But just accept that there's God, okay? Just accept that there's God for now and that Jesus is the only Son of God and is the correct God. We'll talk about how we know later. We'll have to focus on this series. So because there is a God, See, the only way that sin cannot be a big deal is if there is no God or if this God is not holy. Do you understand that? Do you understand what I said? The only way that sin cannot be a big deal is if there is no God or this God is not an intentional God. It's just a deism. It's just the universe that doesn't have any intentionality. And if that is the case, it's not worth worshipping. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? The only way that there can be no sin is if there's no God. <laughs> Look at Romans chapter 1 verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Do you see that? There's a truth. There is a fact. There is a, pur there is a purpose of God which God has revealed. In the revelation of the purpose of God, the revelation of the purpose of God is the truth. The purpose of God, the revelation of the purpose, the revelation of God contains the purpose of God for, for humanity, for all of creation. Men will see this revelation and suppress it. 
they will see this revelation and suppress it why are they suppressing it so that they can be able to stand against what is contained in that information so they can stand at odds with the purpose of God are you getting what I'm saying to you they said it's, they suppress the truth by their wickedness since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them for since the creation of the of the world God's invisible qualities that is his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse there is no rational human being that can look at all of creation barring an agenda barring a presupposition you wake up as a conscious entity you gain consciousness and you wake up into the universe that we have and you live in that universe and you will not come to the conclusion that an entity a deliberate mind must have created all these things it is not possible because by mere inductive reasoning that means by by mere using your experiences as a conscious entity as a human being by using your own experiences on the earth one of the things that you will have found is that whenever you see complex things that have a purpose someone must be behind it by mere inductive reasoning you look at the human DNA, you look at the universe, you look at the animals, you look at the differences and all the things in this world. It doesn't matter the mechanism by which the creation happened. Your instinct should be that somebody was behind this. That is the reason why every human, human beings all, all over the world, in their primordial state as, you know, as savages, when we just, before we grew and gone, get more knowledge and civilization, our instinct was to create gods. there is no culture where you don't have gods and because of that inductive reasoning and common sense that all human beings have you will see different kind of different irreducible complexities in universe you will see the way rocks are working you see the way animals are working you see the way trees are working your instinct will be to say there must be a god for the rocks there must be a god for the trees there must be a god for the river because you can see each of these things being just what i'm saying to you you see the way commerce is happening. You say that means there must be a God for commerce. You see the way things are happening. Common sense is that you say no. Somebody that is powerful than us is behind it. That's what philosopher said that, um, I think it was, um, um, Eve, Eve always quotes the person. It's, um, what's the name of this Baba? This reformed one. The one that started, the, that brought back the Kalam cosmological book, um, argument. Platinger. Thank you very much. You know Platinger said? He said, in his own view, atheism, is a defect of the cognition. To him, when he looked at it, he said, for you to look at the whole world and say, no, nobody's behind it, it just happened. Something is wrong. So by looking at the universe, you can tell. You need an agenda to look at the whole world and tell yourself that something has complicated as cells just came to be have you ever seen things just come to be in your life have you ever thrown sand up and the sand just came down and arranged into a house have you ever seen it but when it comes to creation it can, it's possible you know that something must be wrong with all respect right with all due respect church I was together go on let's go on it now says so that people are without excuse so that people are without excuse 
For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. That is what happened. When you have suppressed the truth, right, and you have seen the revelation of God and you have deliberately ignored it, what now happens is that the source of the revelation, you begin to give yourself rationalizations why the person is not worthy of glory. Because to admit that that person exists and that person is sovereign is to tell yourself that you ought to live according to the person's standards. Do you understand what I'm just saying now? Do you understand what I just said now? Once you admit that that person exists and that you ought to live for the purpose that the person made you for, then you find yourself doing it. You have to live by it. So if you don't want to live according to the purpose for which you were made, what you do is, is what? Deny that there is someone who made you. And so when you deny the person that, is, that who made you, what you begin to do is that, you, you, of course, you won't give glory to the person. Because there's no way you can stand in the presence of such an entity that your response will not be to worship and bow down. Do you understand that? Even the angels that are not him, that are just around, because even the angels cannot see him, but they are just in a place where he can send them message easily. The glory that is rubbing off on them when they show up to human beings, human beings' instinct is to bow down and what? Worship. How much more when you see him? what I'm saying to you? Are you getting what I'm saying to you? They came to arrest Jesus. Jesus just said, Wait, where is Jesus? Say, I am here. He said that the Bible says that they fell down. When you are in the presence of awesomeness, your natural instinct is to worship. So if you don't want to worship and give glory to the awesomeness, what do you do? You turn your back. Do you know what I just said now? Although, verse 21, verse 22, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. So instead of them to worship him, they began to decay in their thinking. And I'll explain to you why that decay happens now. You see, therefore God gave them over to this, in the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, to the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served and self-created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women changed natural selection and natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Hallelujah. Furthermore, just as they did, just as they did not take it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they, so that they do what ought not to be done. They became filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity, they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. And although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, very, very things, but they approve of those who practice them. Church, you see that? I hope you are paying attention as I was reading. Some of you are looking at me. <laughs> when a man has turned himself to 
the creator and what he intends what happens is that something begins to flow naturally into them things begin to flow naturally out of their lives and the understanding is simple now this is not i'm not saying that this is the complete explanation of this understanding but the understanding is very simple the river that forgets its source will do what dry up so if we were created for him and begin to stand against him what happens is that you begin to unmake yourself so that is the natural result of sin the natural result of sin is death if God is life and you were made for him to stand against life is what are we together to stand against life is what that's why it's the, the result of sin naturally, organically, is death. Put it together. The result of sin organically is what? Death. Genesis chapter 2. The writer of Genesis had a vision and in such a sophisticated way he shows us what happened when man fell Genesis 2 verse 15 the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to walk it and to take care of it and the Lord commanded the man you are free to eat from any tree in the garden but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. I have created you for something. I have told you the things that you can eat. This one is not for you. It is not in accordance with my purpose for you. If you go and enter it, you will certainly die. And so, you see Romans chapter 6. Um, can you open Romans chapter 6, verse 23? What does he say? Much verse 6, verse 23. You see that? The wages of sin is what? The, yes, continue. But the gifts of God, you understand why the wages, that is the, you, the certain death, the certainty of death, of sin, is, of sin is death. You see why the wages of sin, that means that you have it. And then you see why life is actually a gift. You understand? When you are made for life and you stand against life, you die. That's why when you go contrary to God's plan for your life, when you go contrary to the intention of God, the creator for your life, you will certainly die. You will not die in Jesus' name. You've even escaped death already, so Abby. Praise God. Abby? Should I go down to you? Genesis chapter 3. And so, the man actually went and heard and did what was contrary to the purpose of God for him. He went and did what was contrary to God's plan for him. Listen, you might be asking yourself that, why is it that it is even possible? Why is it that it is even possible for um, 
people or persons to be able to stand contrary to the purpose of God for their lives. Because I thought about it. Why is it even possible? Guess what? It is possible the same way that if light exists, there must be darkness. Do you understand that? Sin is a privation. Sin is a deviation. It is not a created thing. It is what happens in the absence of something created. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? That is how it is possible that God created all things and he gives only good gifts, yet evil is possible. Do you understand that? Do you understand what I just said now? Okay, let me not go through philosophical. This church, right? We'll discuss that one in our meeting. This is why it is possible that the sun gives only light and yes, there can be darkness. Do you understand that? The reason why there can be darkness is because you have to hide in a corner where the light will not reach. Do you understand that? That's why it is possible that God gives only good and perfect gifts. He gives only good and perfect gifts. It is love, then yes, evil is possible. Because evil is a privation of the good. When there's an ocean and you go and create a dam somewhere and you divert the water from a, from a place, what you have left is a dry land. Do you understand that? What is a desert? A desert is the absence of water. Church, I get what I'm saying to you. And so, what now happens is, naturally, there's an organic result of death when a person stands contrary to the gospel of God. And then you see in Genesis chapter 3, the Bible tells us, see, this Genesis chapter 3 is actually very sophisticated. This thing, maybe we'll talk about it next time. I'll, I'll dig more into it in the next service. Right? Let me just jump ahead and say something. So listen. Because when you stand against life, you, death is what happens, right? Death is the privation of life. Death is what happens when life ceases to be um, supplied in a place. Do you understand that? Death is what happens when life is no more supplied in a place. So a man stands against life. You were created for life. And then you stand against life. And then what happens? Death emanates. We see or death appears, so to speak. Do you understand that? So that's why there are the organic consequences of sin. Meditating on this thing the last few weeks. I was telling these guys some things some days ago. You see. The privation of life, standing against the purpose of God in a place, is death. So that's why organically, naturally, the, re the result of sin is death. You begin to see death. You see, begin to see all kinds of corruption in the mind, in the body, in the society, in everything around. All kinds of corruption begins to manifest because life... Bible says that you uphold all things by the word of his power. The fact that creation is even upheld, the fact that things are created and they are, they are continuing, continuing in a certain state of motion is because there's a power upholding them. You stand against that power and what is upholding them drops. And then corruption and death begins to come manifested. But do you know what happens? Because God is an intentional God. Bible says that it's the Bible says in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 13. Let me just quickly tell you this. I'll just quickly want we'll, we'll continue this you know later. In Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 13. So your mind really needs to be here because I'm going to be saying a lot of things, you know, in different ways and all that. So you need to be here. 
Bible says that your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent when the wicked, wicked swallow up those who are more righteous than themselves? So Habakkuk is lamenting here. He knows that God's eyes cannot see evil. God cannot stand evil. God cannot even see evil with his eyes. In um, Exodus chapter 33, verse 1 to 5, you should read it. Um, God was speaking to Moses and was telling the Israelites, he said, you guys are about to go now, but I cannot follow you. What will happen is that I cannot look, at, I cannot look in your direction. I will send an angel to go with you. Because if I look in your direction, you'll be destroyed. Imagine an all-powerful entity. Eh? An all-powerful holy entity that is the source of all life. All-powerful. And then something wants to stand in, in opposition to an all-powerful entity. If he just looks in your direction, what will happen? He doesn't even need to talk. You understand? Huh? You understand? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? You understand some things now in the old. We are getting there. You will understand some things. Why is it not like as if they were doing anybody? You stand in the presence of God and do anyhow. You will collect. It's not even because they want to give you. It is called holiness and all power put together. So, when corruption is the natural result of sin, hmm? God is also an intentional God. He's not like the universe that the world talks about. That you don't say, oh, um, if you go against the universe and things will not work out for you and all that and all that. God is not like the universe. God is intentional. So that means as God has a purpose for, for the times and the dispensations and the, and the times, you know, God has a purpose for dispensations. And human beings are trying to stand or created entities are trying to stand in contradistinction to him the natural end of what they are doing is death but he's not going to say because of that he will just leave them to die naturally the reason is because god is so intentional that not only is he against not only is he against evil he's intentional about limiting evil do you understand that he's not going to say you are naturally going to die. It's just a matter of time. You will die and everything will be okay. Because my life, the power of my life will flow and wash away your, your, your enmity with Christ. Do you understand? Because that's what sin does. If you start, it's, sin is kind of like a corrective mechanism. You sin against God, you will die. Because so that the power of God can flow. Do you understand that? <laughs> so, but God is not going to wait. Because he is merciful. He is good. All these attributes in his person. He's intentional, so he's not going to allow sin and evil to, to, to be maximized and to run his focus. So that's why, even though the natural organic result of sin is death, God is also intentional about limiting the growth of sin, limiting the spread of sin. And that's why there is now a legal aspect to the wages of sin. Do you understand that? So the wages of sin, you can see it in two forms in scriptures. There is the natural result, the organic result of death. By standing against the knowledge of Christ, it will come. We'll talk about this in Genesis chapter 3. You see it now. And then there is the intentional wages of sin, where God is deliberately trying to ensure that sin does not run its full course and spread to many people. He wants to contain it. 
And that containment of sin is the legal intentional aspect where God brings death to limit that sin. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So there's the organic result of sin and then there's the legal result of sin. A good analogy that can help you to understand this is this. When a man is drinking and driving on the road and speeding on Lekki Expressway, you don't need to do anything to him. He will run into a pole and kill himself. Did anybody do him? Who did him? That's the organic consequence of sin. Do you understand that? But the government will not let you kill other people. The government does not even want you to kill yourself. So the police are on the road. And when you are moving, they will stop you and send you to prison. That is the legal. Do you understand that? Do you understand what I just said? So the legal wages of sin is God's mercy, is God's judgment, is God's wisdom. That's why Apostle Paul calls it the righteous judgment of God. You see? That's why Apostle Paul calls it the righteous judgment of God. It's actually an outworking of God's love and mercy to contain sin, to limit sin. So that's why when man sinned in Genesis chapter, chapter 3, the Bible says that I did something. I know sometimes it can, it can actually be very complicated. You know, it can be very complicated. If you look at Genesis chapter 3, a lot of revelation is there. So it's complicated and how to, inter, you know, to separate neatly and say, because there's even a way to look at it and say both even the legal and organic consequences of sin are actually part of God's righteous decree. But you know, let's not go there. If you look at Genesis chapter 3, you see this working of the legal and organic consequences of sin being happening at the same time. You see God legally telling Satan, the serpent, that because of what you have done, I'm going to take away your legs and you'll crawl on your belly. You know what he's doing? He's taking away the speed with which Satan can move. Are you going to sense you? He's limiting him. So he says, you're going to crawl on your belly. Alright? Even without crawling on the belly, you know he can still move. <laughs> but it's not like if he has legs or wings. You know if he can fly, there's a problem. <laughs> Praise God. It sounds funny to you, but it's true. <laughs> he said, you know what? You have done enough. Just be going on your belly. He looked at the guy and I said, because of this thing that you have done, you, woman, your desire is going to be to your man, your wife. Do you know why? But you, he didn't say the whole story. But I've explained to you, this guy. So this guy, there's something you guys are going to do for me in this series. You're going to go and listen to the teaching on Galatians. You're going to go and listen to the teaching on um, God, um, creation's earnest expectations. Those teachings are very, very important. Refresher memories for you. I cannot say everything now. Go and listen to the series on Galatians. Go and listen to creation's earnest expectations. When man turned himself and disobeyed God, what happened was that by cutting himself away from, from God, mortality came on man. And I was explaining to you guys that the result of mortality is that it means that you must reproduce for you to survive. Do you understand that? If you must reproduce to survive, the two of you that are different sexes and you are now mortal, it means that you can die. It means that one of you must specialize in nurturing and one of you must specialize in what? Providing. You that you are specializing in nurturing, you cannot have the same physical power that the one that specializes in providing has. Do you understand that? It means that you that specializes in nurturing, as you are nurturing and preserving our species from going extinct so that we can have more human beings that will do the purpose of God on the earth. It means that you need someone to be protecting you. 
Therefore, your desire will be to your husband. That is the original of patriarchy. Because we all sinned. There is nothing you want to do about it. Patriarchy has come to stay. Are you hear what I'm saying to you? The only thing that you can do about it is to follow and do Christian patriarchy. That is the one where the one that is physically stronger will not use it to exact judgment on the one that is physically weaker. But rather what he will do is to save. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Did you hear what I said now? There is nothing you can do about it. The only thing you can do is to take God's wisdom for it. Let's not go there. He said, for you, for the man, because mortality has come upon you, you are going to sweat when you are tilling the ground. And the physical world around you has also been constrained because God purposely constrained our mortality and the world around us as a way of legally containing sin. Because if man had decided that he was going to stand against the knowledge of Christ and of God and in order to rebel against God, the worst thing you could do for man was to give man unlimited power or unlimited resources. Imagine a world of Superman that can reject the gospel. They cannot die. This ones don't have kryptonite. They cannot die. They don't fall sick. Whenever they want to eat, all they have to do is do like this to the Garden of Eden and Eden will respond. And then when God shows up, he says, God, just do your day, make I day my day. What happens in such a case? Evil is magnified. You see what happened in Romans chapter 1? It's plain. Do you understand that? You know many of these people, many of these people that are going through hedonism and all that, the only thing that wakes them up to remind them that they should change their ways is knowing that they will die one day. Imagine when there's no fear of death to remind you. There's no sickness, nothing. You're just going raving like a mad person. And God is there looking at you and he's the one that gave you eternal life. So God now said that, see, this tree of eternal life, send them out of it and they cannot take it. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So, you see that dimension of the organic result of death and the legal result of death at work at the same time so that when a person stands contrary to the knowledge of God, sin is contained. Evil is contained. So sin is a big deal. We're going to talk more about this. I just gave a, you know, just on the surface. So sin is a big, did you hear what I just said now? Sin is a big deal. Sin is a big deal. Sin is a big deal. God is not being um, wicked when he's judging sin. Judgment is a demonstration of his holiness. Judgment is a demonstration of his goodness. Judgment is a demonstration of his holiness. Because sin is a big deal. You cannot say as a Christian, Jesus has died for me. You don't understand what you are saying. Jesus has died for me. And I'm okay living in sin. You don't know the meaning of what you are saying. You don't know the meaning of what you are saying. You don't know the meaning of what you are saying. Look at the world around you. The moment men began to suppress the knowledge of Christ so that they could live as, as they pleased to live, 
despite the amount of prosperity, despite the amount of wealth. I was saying it recently ago, but you know, I cannot be saying everything. I just wish, you know, I would have a place where I could be talking more. That's why my wife now, she has turned that to a philosopher. Every day now, at least two, two, three, three hours of philosophy. We said, but don't tire. What is this, marriage or, or the, the Aropagos? Look at the society, look at the world around you. Humanity has never been this rich. Humanity has never been this healthy, I'm telling you. You talk about all the great civilizations of the past and what they did. Go and check their life expectancy. In those days, if you're a 40-year-old man, they call you an old man. Women give birth to normal, normal woman, regular women are shouting now. Shouting. In those days, regular woman will give birth to like 10, 12. Only two or three will survive. In those days, ordinary you hit your leg on a stone can kill because it will be infected. Because resources were limited in the world, everybody was fighting war. War was a way for countries to survive. You look at your area, there's no, because you don't have any science, no technology. Now still the same soil you will plant. If you now don't have soil, what will you do? You will look at the people that have soil. If we don't, there's, you will go there and kill all of them. Take their women as slaves. Kill all the young men. You think we are peaceful now as human beings? We're not fighting God because we are better? No. It's because we have more food to eat. Wait till something happens. You saw what happened down, just a tip of the iceberg. What happened during COVID? When people thought that the tissue paper and face mask was the solution to their problem. See what they did to supermarkets. Now, we literally have medicines and drugs, nanotechnology. It's because we are in the poverty capital of the world. We have nanotechnology that can go and fix individual cells in your body. We have nanotechnology that can go to cancer cells and pick them one by one. We have radio, of course it is not perfect and all that, but people are living regular, some countries now, their life expectancy is 90, no jokes, go and check. That means if you are just being born in that country, you don't need to pray for long life and prosperity. You will live to 90. Yet, suicide has never been higher in human history. Depression has never been higher in human history. Murder and violent deaths has never been higher. Yet, in the days when everybody was poor and people were fighting wars to conquer each other, you were looking for a house to sleep, you will find a hut. Now, you can't even get money to pay rent. Cost of living is high. Cost of everything is high. Do you know what is causing all these things? Do you know what's causing all these things? That's what sin does to a society. That's when the prophet says that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to a people. That's what it means. When a critical mass of people in a society turn their backs on God, that society will just start decaying. That's when all kinds of stupid affections will just start rising up. That's when you suddenly discover that you want to be something contrary to what you were made to be. You say, I don't want to be a man, I want to be a woman. You say, no, it's children I want to be having sex with. You say, no, it's animals. You must start doing stupid things. You know all kinds of nonsense, things that don't even make sense. It will now look normal. That's what sin does to a society. 
Because people cannot even find the purpose of God for their life. So they are making up their purpose as they go. The problem is that if you leave human beings to make up purpose for themselves, they will be up to all sorts of evil. You think that because you cannot see the result of sin in your front eyes, that sin is not a big deal. <laughs> Church, pardon your heads and let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you.